I've been given the passage from Romans chapter 13 to look at. So if you have a Bible, it may be helpful as we go through the passage to uh, follow. But I want to read it today and unusually uh, from the message version. Romans chapter 13, verse 11. But make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of your day-to-day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off, oblivious to God. The night is about over. Dawn is is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work he began when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute, must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence, in sleeping around, in dispensation, in bickering, in grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed, get dressed, don't loiter and linger, waiting until the very last minute. Dress yourselves in Christ and be up and about. A number of years ago, I was a youth worker and we took a group of young people away on a canal holiday. If I say I've been on three canal holidays and sank on two, uh, and this was one of them we sank on, but the first night we were on a Duke of Edinburgh's award barge. And the uh, chap who was in charge of the barge stayed overnight, and he stayed in our cabin. There was four of us as leaders in this cabin. Halfway through the night, a friend of mine, a really good friend called Terry, suddenly got out of bed, went over to the bunk where this visitor was laying, raised his fist to about to punch him in the face. He was sleepwalking. A friend of the other friend, and we all woke up, Terry! And he just got very carefully, went back to his bunk, and fell fast asleep. In the morning, all of us felt this was really hilarious, that he was going to smack this stranger in the mouth. But he had no idea that this was happening. It's so easy for us to be spiritually sleepwalking through our everyday normal Christian life. And this is what Paul seems to be saying in this passage in Romans. From the NIV in verse 11, it says this, do this, understanding that the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Wake up, he says to the church. He's not telling them because he's preached for a very long time. He's telling them to wake up to the spiritual reality that they're in. Wake up from doziness. Wake up from sleepwalking. I do quite like the amplified version when it talks about this passage. Besides this, you know what a critical hour this is. How it is high time now for you to wake up out of your sleep Rouse to reality. Wake up from being so dozy and oblivious to God. It's so easy for every single one of us to sleepwalk spiritually through this life. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. 
because our salvation is nearer now than it was when we first believe. I think if we lost anything in the present church in the West, it's the expectation that God is going to return. Jesus is going to return. It's been so, so long, we sit back in our armchairs and think, wow, could be another thousand years. We get caught up in the here and now. We lose the imminent expectation that God's going to come. The Christians here in this passage When they had the expectation that God was going to come, Jesus was going to come in his full glory, his reign and his power and his might, why didn't they do amazing things? But once they came complacent and settled, things started to change. Do you remember the story that Jesus told in Matthew 25? The story of the virgins, or the modern way of putting it, the story of the bridesmaids. Listen to what it says. At that time, the kingdom of heaven would be like ten virgins, or bridesmaids, who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish one took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in their jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. Well, that's a bit unusual, isn't it? And they became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they're on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went out to meet him to the wedding banquet at the door, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, in this room. And that's what Paul is saying here. Be prepared. Wake up from your slumber because Jesus is about to return. They had to be to, to arouse to, to the reality of eternity. Verse 11, and do this, understand the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day day is almost here. It's nearly here. It's closer than it used to be. It's interesting, isn't it? The early Christians believed that Jesus would return before they died. And they lived in such a way as if that was a reality. 
There are three tenses to this understanding of what salvation is all about. It's about, I am saved, I am being saved, I will be saved. That The first part is that I'm justified, I'm made right with God. The second part, I'm sanctified, I'm being made more like the Lord Jesus. And the last one, I'm glorified, I'm made complete to be like God. I've begun that work of salvation. Let me just say, there is a moment to enter the kingdom of God. There is a moment for rebirth. And this is what this passage is talking about. We need to know that moment for ourselves. Then we enter this life of discipleship, linking our lives in line with God's life, what Jesus was showing us. Then one day, one of those glorious days, will be in the very presence of God. For me, not only won't I sin anymore, but there wouldn't be no sin anymore. A few years ago, I, when I was a pastor of a church, I sat down with an, an older couple in church. And his wife had been extremely ill, and they asked, would I go round? And we sat down... And this is the question they asked me, Gary, is it wrong to pray that Nancy go home? Now, she was in her physical home. What she was asking, is it right that we pray that Nancy goes to heaven? And I remember that moment so well, sitting down, praying, God, take Nancy home. Heaven was a reality. I did have the privilege of taking Nancy's funeral. And we celebrated that she was now with the Lord Jesus. We can have the assurance of saying, I am saved. I know. We also can say, I am being saved. I am being made more in the likeness of Jesus. We also can say, I will be totally saved. I will be in the very presence of God. And in the between time, we we shouldn't just settle down just for the norm of things. So absorbed and exhausted in taking care of your everyday obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off, oblivious to God. When people think about death and eternity, I think they deal with things in three ways. Either they totally ignore it, Don't think about it, and I just carry on with the day to day. Other people get so scared of it that they won't look at eternity. Or people like Nancy, the expectation of eternity is something to be grasped. The other day, six o'clock in the morning, and I don't get up like you, Mackie at five and start praying. At six o'clock in the morning, we have this doorbell sound. We jumped out of bed, or I jumped out of bed. I found some trousers, stuck them on. I think I had them the right way round. I put on a, a, on a shirt, stumbled downstairs, tried to find the front door key, opened the door, and as I opened the door, the man from Amazon waved 
as he pointed to the parcel on my doorstep. If you had this similar experience, Amazon seems to be arriving even earlier than they should do. Paul was saying, don't be caught short with your pants down. Don't be kept surprised that Jesus will return and come. It's going to be not just the most awkward moment in your life. There's no way of going back from this. In a few weeks' time, my daughter's getting married. I'm dreading it. And I'm dreading it for two reasons. One, to do the father of the speech bride. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, you know what I mean. That's how scared I am. I think I'll I'll be better taking the wedding than doing that bit. Anyway, the the second thing I'm really worried about is on the night before, all the bridesmaids are coming. That's fine. But let me tell you, she's got nine of them. I know what it's going to be like, uh, and I'm making sure that my bedroom door and my mirror and my bathroom is mine. Do you know what I mean? I know for one moment that I'm not going to have to go onto my daughter's bedroom door and knock on it and wake her up on that wedding day. She's going to be wide awake. (laughs) She's going to have full expectation of what's going to happen here. But it's so easy for you and me to settle down into our everyday normal lives and think this is it. What Paul was saying to the Christians here, wake up, arouse yourselves, eternity is here. It's time for us to understand salvation is closer now than we first believe. We should be expecting God to be doing stuff. We, we should be wanting God to come, <laughs> We should be wanting to to discover what God wants amongst us. Not just sitting back and just saying, let's just wait and see what's going to happen. I think it is possible for us to quit from being vigilant and looking. And listen to me carefully. I know 20, 30 years ago, Christians came up with 101 bizarre things that were going to happen before Jesus' return. I I, I know we can be stupid about it, but I'm not saying that. I think we need to be vigilant. Let's look around us of what's happening in our worlds. We we need to to step up to the mark to, to be involved in what God wants us to do. There's no such thing as a retirement in the kingdom of God. I'm looking forward to three weeks' time to go on a holiday. There's no such thing as that in the work of the kingdom of God. It's time to wake up. We need to arouse to the reality of eternity, but what Paul carries on and says here, we need to arouse to the reality of spiritual living. Look what it says in verse 12. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here, so let's put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. Let's behave decently. 
as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual morality, debauchery, not in decision and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So Paul is outlining here the how does this Christian life work? Well, there's a contrast between night and day, and there's a contrast between dark and light. There's a consciousness of Christ when we live in the day. What he's saying here, there's a a sleepiness, there's a, a drowsiness when we don't live within the reality and the consciousness of God. And there's also going to be a day that's coming, just like a new dawning of a new day, when Christ will return. The night is nearly over. The day, to, day is almost here. So let's put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of God. I suppose if I was trying to find an illustration, it's a bit like a, a, a soju who goes out on the night before, goes on the razzle, gets drunk, falls down into the ditch. The commanding officer the next morning comes along and rouses him up and says, get dressed, get ready, we need to go into battle here. And that's what Paul seems to be saying to these Christians. And he outlines three pairs of sins. There's those social sins, carousing in drunkenness. What does carousing mean? Well, I did look in the dictionary because I had no idea. The activity of drinking alcohol and enjoying oneself with others in a noisy, lively way. My daughter, she actually works for an organisation called UCCF and she works on university campuses supporting Christians. One of the outreaches they do is to go every Thursday, Friday and Saturday night on the university campus and it's a bit like uh, street pastors. They go out and when they all come out of the student union bar, they give them shoes, they help to take them home, they give them water, they support these students who are totally bladdered. What I find sad in listening to my daughter tell me these stories is some of those who go to the Christian Union or some of those are bladdered. <laughs> Actually, this isn't right. We shouldn't be living this way. We shouldn't be caught up with what everybody else is doing and just going along with it. There's those social sins, getting caught up, getting drunk, being out of control. Then there's those sexual sins, sexual immorality, debauchery. I find that word quite an interesting word. What does it mean? I won't ask either of you, is that okay? But this is what the dictionary describes it as. Extremely indulgent in behaviour, involvement in sex, drugs, alcohol... Especially sexual pleasures. I've got to admit, I think we've justified too often sexual sins. So actually we don't call sexual sins sins anymore. It's just a different behaviour. Then he outlines these spiritual sins of dissension, jealousy, Causing disorder, strife, conflict. (laughs) 
Oh boy, don't we as a church need to wake up to this? A part of my role is to go around to churches when they're falling out with each other. As a pastor, I remember one particular person coming up to me and saying, Gary, I've got a spiritual gift of stirring it. And they were proud of it. And I turned around to them and said, show me where that's in Scripture. Christians has no business to live in that way. Being involved in such things. Actually, what we need to understand, this grieves the very heart of God. He weeps over this. So Paul sets out some negatives, but then he puts out some positives in verse 14. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think how to gratify the desires of your sinful nature. Positively, put on Jesus Christ. What what, what does that mean? It means dedicating our hands, our feet, our eyes, our minds, our thinking, our time, everything we are to him. It's interesting, in this section, Paul uses that whole phrase to describe. He doesn't just say Jesus. He doesn't say Christ. He uses that phrase, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord. It's about God's plan for our lives. You see, a slave doesn't wake up and decide what they're going to do. The master does. The Lord makes that decision. The Lord Jesus, it's that pattern that we follow. Do you remember the bracelets that were around in the AT, WWJD? Do you remember those? What would Jesus do? I don't see them around anymore, do you? What would Jesus do? Then that word Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about his power of God work in our lives. It's the Christ who conquered death. It's the Christ on the cross who broke the bounds of sin. (laughs) There are two ways, I think, to put on Christ. There's the the first way of of trying to become more and more like Jesus. We we build that up and we struggle and we strive and we, we, we try everything we can and every time we stumble and fail... Or we just start to rely on Jesus. Look to him. Build our lives on him. Allow him to work in us. Let me ask you. When you go to Debenhams, you could go to Marks and Spencers, but let's just use Debenhams. You could use the stairs or the escalator. Why use the stairs when the escalator's going to take there? Why strive and get out of breath when you're your age, Jeff? When you could get on the escalator and just take you all the way. I can say it to him because I've known him for years. Is that all right? Thank you. He uses the lift. <laughs> he uses the lift. Yeah, okay. But why do we strive so much? When Jesus says, build your life upon me. Allow me to work in you so I can work out through you. Do not think about how to gratify the desires of your 
flesh. Some of us are saying in this room, in our minds, I, well, I'm no longer at the age of carousing in debauchery. Give me an early night. But be careful. What about dissension? What about jealousy? You see, thoughts lead to actions. Actions lead to habits. And what Paul was saying, just renounce of all of that stuff. Let's be honest and call sin a sin. Let's stop striving and start trusting. So how do we clean up when we're faced with all of this? Remember Paul's words? For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. I just keep on doing. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that's subjected to death? The Alcoholics Anonymous, if you ever go to one of their groups, say this, powerless, you're powerless to change. You can't do it on your own. Alcoholics Anonymous say, look to a greater power. I'm saying to you this morning, as Paul says in this passage, look to Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord, Paul carries on to say in Romans. It's only when we come to rest in our Savior that things start to change. Don't be caught dirty when Jesus comes back, either in thoughts or words or actions. Billy Graham once said this, we are to wait for the coming of Christ with patience. We are to watch with anticipation. We are to work, walk, work with zeal. And we are to prepare with urgency. So as followers this morning, I want us to wake up to the reality of eternity. This life should never be our focus. There's an eternity to come and a saviour to meet. We need to wake up to the reality of spiritual living, walking in the light as Jesus is in the light. Do you know the phrase? Being so heavenly minded, you are... I think if we're not careful... We're so earthly-minded. We're no heavenly use. We need to clean up. Don't continue in those social, sexual, spiritual sins. With Christ's help, with his help living in us and through us, we can be different. Don't sit back and think it's okay the way I am, as so many people tell me when I was a pastor of a local church, this is just who I am. And I had to say eventually, no, it isn't okay. And it's not just about who you are now. It's about who God wants you to be. We need to grow up, clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be any longer being babies Waited to be clothed, unable to dress yourselves. Close yourself with Christ, his thinking, his actions, his words, his desire, 
his kingdom. I don't know any of you apart from about three of you in this room, and I've insulted one completely, so he's no longer my friend. I don't know anything about you. But I do want to ask a blunt question. Are you sleepwalking through this Christian life? Are you just going through the motions of it? Are you lining your life with the life of Christ? Are you living in the expectation that actually he's coming and it could be any moment now? I'm not here to condemn you this morning. Paul's words were said to these Christians that they would wake up as the bridesmaids, the wives' bridesmaids, ready for the master to come. Lord Jesus, come. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, help us to wake up, to clean up, and to grow up. And Lord, we know we can't do that on our own. We tried and we failed. Just when we think we've got the Christian life figured out, we fell again into temptation and sin. Forgive us, Lord. We're desperate for your help. Lord, in our mind's eye this morning, we want to clothe ourselves with you, to put you first, to seek first your kingdom in our lives, in the everyday lives. Come by your Holy Spirit, Lord, and renew our passion for you, our expectation of you to meet with us. Come on, Lord, and bring about the change in our behavior and thought life, which we struggle with, just like Paul did. Lord, we're desperate for you to come. So, Lord, come and begin by changing our hearts this morning. Make them soft towards yourself. Come, Lord, and do as Paul pleaded. Come and renew our minds, that we may have minds that think after you. Come, Lord. Father, we know that as we walk out this room, it's got to be so easily to leave this behind. But Lord, I pray that today that you will not let us off the hook because the kingdom is too important for that. Come and work within us, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen.